All right. Well, what does CO2 levels and greenhouse gases um, have to do with the end days or knowing the time? Or is it indeed a sign, is global warming a sign of the end times? We shall find out in our sermon today. Let's pray. Father in heaven, we thank you so much for being our wonderful creator and that we are fearfully and wonderfully made. You know our inward parts. Come, Lord, today and speak to our hearts and souls. We pray that we'll have clarity of understanding, that we'll have conviction from your spirit, and that through this message, we will go out and be a catalyst to a world that is in such daily and desperate need. We thank you in advance. In Jesus' name, amen. All right. Well, happy Sabbath once again, everyone. Glad to have you here. The sermon title is Knowing the Time. And um, that's a familiar, will be a familiar theme because that's also the title of our camp meeting. But uh, it was a good, good enough title that I was going to use it here also. So we're going to look at some of the signs of the times, some of the things that are happening in our world and in America directly. So knowing the time, the time of the signs. Turn with me to Matthew 24 this morning as we look at God's holy word, Matthew chapter 24. When you get there, say amen. See a few pages still turning, Matthew 24. And I've got the King James rendering this morning. All right. Matthew 24, Jesus went out and departed from the temple and his disciples came to him for to show him the buildings of the temple, these massive stones that made up the temple, massive slabs of marble. Jesus said unto them, see you not all these things? Verily I say to you, there shall not be one stone left upon another that shall not be thrown down. 70 AD, this literally took place. The fire was engulfing the temple. The gold-plated roof was running down. The, the gold on the roof was running down through the cracks of these stones. They wanted that gold, so they took every stone apart. was fulfilled exactly as God had said. Jesus then, sitting upon the Mount of Olives, verse 3, the disciples came privately saying, they were just amazed by this, tell us. When will this happen? And what shall be the sign of your coming and of the end of the world? So they're basically asking two things. And Jesus answers it in those two ways. Both when will this take place, which you're talking about, this, this temple being torn apart, and when will the end of the world come? Verse 4, Jesus answered and said, Take heed that no man deceive you. So there will be deception. In the last days, for many shall come in my name, saying, I am Christ, and shall deceive many. And you shall hear of wars and rumors of wars. See that you be not troubled, for all these things must come to pass. But the end is not yet, for nation will rise against nation. That is ethnos rising against ethnos. Kingdom against kingdom, and there shall be famines, pestilences, earthquakes in diverse Places. Are we seeing famines? Are we seeing pestilence? Are we seeing earthquakes? We're seeing all of it, are we not? 
Do you know the time? All these are the beginning of sorrows, or the beginning of birth pains. Mothers out there know all about birth pains. I would imagine it's no fun. But what's fun is the new creation on the other side. Amen? It's all worth it. And that's what Jesus is saying to us here. Going on, though, in verse 9. Then shall they deliver you up to be afflicted and shall kill you, and you shall be hated of all nations for my name's sake. And then shall many be offended and shall betray one another and shall hate one another. So a lot of hate going on in the last days. I think we're seeing that also. Many false prophets shall arise and shall deceive many. And because iniquity or lawlessness shall abound, the love of many shall wax cold. I think we're seeing that today also. But he that endures to the end, the same shall be saved. And then the good news at the end, this verse 14 at least, and this gospel of the kingdom shall be preached where? In all the world for a witness to the nations. And then the end shall come. Do you know the time today? Well, I want to take you back to a prophecy in Daniel chapter 2. We won't actually go back there because you know this prophecy. Most of you do, if not all of you. Nebuchadnezzar had a dream. He couldn't remember the dream. Daniel finally told him the dream. And there was this statue that he saw, right? And it had different metals that represented different kingdoms. The head of gold was represented by who? Babylon. Who was next? Medo-Persia. And then with the bronze, Greece, the legs, Rome. And then the feet of iron and clay, of course, that says the the European nations, but it's primarily church and state. So remember that, that is the bottom, that is the end of the end. And then this rock, supernatural rock comes in, destroys the whole thing. That's the second coming of Christ. Any one of these nations would have loved to be the one world order and take over everything. They would have loved that. They didn't have the catalyst to do so. Is there a catalyst to do so today? Revelation's beast power, Daniel's little horn power are one in the same. Who is the beast? Well, we want to know because this is super important. One of the most fearful warnings given in the whole Bible uh, is regarding worshiping this beast. So we want to, of course, not worship this beast. Who does the evidence point to? Well, unequivocally, it points to the papacy. And I didn't just make this up. I didn't just invent this. This is what the Protestants have believed for years. Martin Luther, you name it. Um, this is what has been believed, and it hasn't changed. By the way, interesting, that cross behind him has a little bit of a, you see that thing on it? That's actually a sun disc for sun worship. But this is the beast power. This is the little horn power that rises up in Daniel 7. Papal Rome, the Vatican church state. Now, 
to make that claim, we better back it up. Well, this power, we are told, is a blasphemous power. What does blasphemy mean? What exactly is blasphemy? Well, it is one, to say that you are God, and it is two, to say that you can forgive sins. If you do those things, that's blasphemy. What about the papacy? Clearly, they say this, Pope Leo, we hold upon this earth the place of God Almighty. That's pretty clear. Another one, Christ has chosen us. These are all statements from the Catholic Church. Christ has chosen us, that is the Catholic priest, to be the only ones to forgive sins in his name. Therefore, it is a specific ecclesial service that we must make a priority. And if they believe that, they should make it a priority. But it's not true. <laughs> this judicial authority will even include the power to forgive sin. And then this, God himself is obliged to abide by the judgment of his priest and either pardon or not pardon. And so, yes, they do fit the category of blasphemy, both saying that they are God and saying that they forgive sins. Now, the disclaimer, as always, we're not talking about the people. There are wonderful people in the Catholic Church. There are wonderful Protestants in other churches. Many of them may be living up to the light they have better than we are. So that's not what it's about. It's about a system. It's about the deception of the last days that we cannot be caught up in. Amen? And so this power thinks to change times and laws. Can you actually change God's law? No. But he thinks to change it. The Pope has power to change times, to abrogate laws, and to dispense with all things, even the precepts of Christ. The Roman Catholic Church changed the observance of the Sabbath to Sunday by the right of the divine infallible authority given to her by her founder, Jesus Christ. Protestants claiming the Bible to be the only guide of the faith or guide of faith have no warrant for observing Sunday. And again, some wonderful Protestants out there that keep Sunday, and we'll talk more about what underlies Sabbath and Sunday as we go on, because it's very important. Some of them may be keeping the wrong day, but they may have the right spirit. Some of us may be keeping the right day and have the wrong spirit. And so both of those need a little help, do they not? The Protestants deem it their duty to keep Sunday holy. Why, this Catholic source says, because the Catholic Church tells them to do so. They have no other reason. The observance of Sunday thus comes to be an ecclesiastical law entirely distinct from the divine law of Sabbath observance. The author of the Sunday law is the Catholic Church. One more on this, perhaps the boldest thing, the most revolutionary change the church ever did happened in the first century. The holy day, the Sabbath, was changed from Saturday to Sunday. The day of the Lord was chosen, not from any direction in the scriptures. Now, if, if I didn't go any further, you'd know there was a problem, right? Everything must go from the direction of the scriptures, sola scriptura. But the Catholic Church's sense of its own power 
People who think the scriptures should be the sole authority should logically become Seventh-day Adventists and keep Saturday holy. Come on and say amen if that's good news. You have figured that out, but many have not. Do you know the time? Do they know the time? Speaking of the time, this is from a book called The Great Controversy. And there'll be several quotes interspersed here from this book, tremendous chapter, The Impending Conflict. It will be declared that men are offending God by violation of the Sunday. This is what is coming. The Sunday Sabbath, that this sin has brought the calamities. You Adventists are to blame. You're so stubborn in keeping that day holy. Calamities which will not cease until Sunday observance shall be strictly enforced. And that those who present the claims of the fourth commandment, if you're telling other people about it, you're destroying reverence for Sunday and are troublers of the people. Has anybody ever called you a troubler of the people? Well, someone will as you're faithful to God going forward, preventing their restoration to divine favor and temporal prosperity. We must all do this. It's for the best of the world. Mother Earth needs this. Well, one more. The last great conflict between truth and error is the, but the final struggle of the long-standing controversy, it didn't start now, concerning the law of God. Upon this battle, we are now entering a battle between the laws of men and the precepts of Jehovah, between the religion of the Bible and the religion of fable and tradition. And anytime tradition trumps the Bible, that's a problem, amen? It must come from the word and the word only. We're coming to a time of true and false worship and those two colliding in a very special way and in regard to these holy days. Isaiah 24 couldn't have said it better, a total collapse of both law and gospel. Chapter 24, verse 4 and 5 says this, The earth also is defiled under the inhabitants thereof because they have, three things, transgressed the laws, I believe, of God and of man, changed the ordinance, very possibly and most likely referring to baptism and the Lord's Supper, which have been completely changed from what the Bible says, and three, broken the everlasting covenant. God's amazing promise to us, salvation by grace through faith. And you can't truly keep the Sabbath unless you also keep the everlasting covenant. And hopefully that'll come clear as we look at some um, slides to come. But you can come on the right day, but you can't have the right spirit unless you keep the everlasting covenant because that covenant says it's all of God. Your job is to respond, amen? You'll have works and plenty of them and of the right kind, but they will be in response to God's grace. So this is the time in which we live. And as I mentioned a little bit earlier, there are many sincere Christians today who are fully resting in Christ, 
for salvation, but are Sunday keepers. You know any of them? I do, many of them. I know many pastors that are. They are keeping the wrong day for what? The right reason. They've got the right motives. Likewise, there are many sincere Sabbath keepers who believe their Sabbath keeping will save them. They are keeping the right day, but for the wrong reason. Oh, God wants to get both parties right. But unfortunately, those who deliberately and ultimately turn their backs on the free gift of salvation in either of those camps will all worship the dragon, which gave power to the beast of Revelation 13. These will exalt Sunday as man's day of rest in defiance of the Sabbath, God's rest day. So man's rest day and God's rest day. The issue in the final conflict is deeper than just two days. It is about two days, but there's something underlying the days. It's not between two groups of Christians or even two rest days, but two opposing methods of salvation. Did you know that's what the Sabbath's all about? The Sabbath signifying by faith alone. Salvation by faith alone versus Sunday signifying salvation by works or human effort. Now, so many in the Sunday keeping churches do not know this. I think some Sabbath keepers in this church do not know this. And we must know it. We must know it to be able to proclaim the Sabbath more fully as we're going to in these last days. In ancient times, Sunday not only became man's day of rest from physical and mental work, but above all symbolized man's spiritual day of rest and worship based on the pagan belief that the sun was the God of all gods, i.e. sun worship and sun day worship, right? It has pagan roots. This became prominent in Christ's day in the Roman Empire. Hence, at its very foundation, Sunday rest is a pagan institution representing self-righteousness in complete contradiction to God's Sabbath, his sign to man that righteousness is by faith. Amen? We stand on the shoulders of the reformers through the ages, right, that believed that righteousness was by faith alone. This was Martin Luther came to this amazing conclusion after being a legalist and climbing up steps. And when he was in the monastery, he would he would go to the priest for like four hours and they're like, Brother Luther, could you come back when you have something real to say? I mean, you're coveting Brother Andrew's piece of bread. I mean, please find something bigger than this if you have something. I mean, he was, he was a legalist all the way until he saw the righteousness of Christ. So it's these two opposing concepts of salvation that can never be reconciled and have always been in conflict since the fall. And that's the basis for the last great conflict. The Sabbath was to signify the perfect and finished work of creation, as well as redemption by God through Jesus Christ. Amen? At the end of creation, what did Jesus say? We know he was the creator. He said it is is very good and it is finished, right? What about when he hung on the cross? What was his last words there? It is finished, right? 
perfect work of creation, a perfect work of redemption. It is finished. That's what we rest on on the Sabbath. That's the basis of our Sabbath rest. It's not about the afternoon nap, right? I'm not decrying that. Sometimes that may be the most godly thing you can do. But all of this rests upon the righteousness of Christ, amen? And that salvation is of him. We rest in his perfect and finished work. Now, we have not presented the Sabbath this way to our community, I'm afraid, in the past. Not here in Battle Creek, but I think in the whole world. But when they get this concept, those that understand the issue and, and are resting in Christ as their salvation, they're going to accept this. And it's going to happen in large groups, I believe. Since Christ is both our creator as well as our redeemer and restorer, he had the perfect right to claim to be the Lord of the Sabbath, as indeed he is. But the whole movement for Sunday is all about control. And you think back to the original conflict, that's what it's all about. It's about worship, yes, but it's certainly about control. And remember, the papacy is not just a religious leader. He's not happy to just be the, the leader of all religions. That would be a pretty high position. He's not happy with that. He wants to be the leader of everybody, religious or not. So it's both the religious and civil leadership. Temporal authorities, this is a quote, kings must be subject to the spiritual power, the pope. He that reigns on high made him alone that is the Pope, prince over all peoples and all kingdoms. And if you look at his plan, Laudato Si for the common good and his, his plan for the economy, all of this is basically with him leading it, as you might imagine. Now, we the people, the First Amendment, is it in trouble? Are we having problems with liberty of conscience? I believe we are. And we are seeing more government control. You know, when you look back two years or so, it's, it, so much has happened. It's like, I don't know about you, but I mean, it can just, it's so much has happened. It can be easy to miss it. So I'm reminding us of just a few of these things that are recent past, some of which are very recent past. <clears throat> We've seen control and surveillance. If anything's come out of this whole COVID and then the vaccines is control and surveillance. We've seen this like never before. And they're saying that's the answer. That's the answer, more control. Here you see the massive Chinese detention camps. And this is a real picture. This is massive indeed. And they're actually put in little metal cages uh, someone told me recently, and this is hearsay, but I'll share it anyway, that in some cases they would, um, they would weld the, the people's doors shut. If they knew they had COVID, they would weld their doors shut so they couldn't come out. That's, that's controlling, wouldn't you say? But we see this happening. <clears throat> of course, Australia, democratic Australia. I mean, you might expect, well, yeah, sure it's going to happen in China. Australia? Okay, so here's another issue. Homeland Security Disinformation Board. How many of you have heard about this? It's relatively recent, right? And 
may have even, I don't know if this is what sparked Elon Musk to buy Twitter and then he, I don't know if he's backed out or I'm not keeping track of it, but anyway, all about disinformation and disinformation governments board the DGB or the Ministry of Truth. Now that's very interesting. <laughs> so someone in the government is going to decide whether what you're saying and what you're doing is, is, is right or truth. The draconian ministry of truth, that is the over-the-top um, controlling ministry of truth that was once a, a dystopian fantasy, let's just say it's a bad dream, <laughs> a nightmare, now appears to be a reality in our country. The Biden administration, and this isn't a political statement, he happens to be the president right now, it could be somebody else, but it isn't. <laughs> The Biden administration is giving power to a group of bureaucrats who will, without court oversight or electoral accountability, decide whether your speech, whether your viewpoints, whether your beliefs constitute disinformation. How does that sound to you? Not, <laughs> not good, right? Not good at all. But this is what's happening right here in America. Government wielding enforcement authority to decide what is true or false should frighten us all. This is a far cry from the original intent of our nation's founders when they drafted the Constitution. The state having censorious power over the speech of Americans directly contradicts the First Amendment. The Liberty Bell has a crack in it, friends. I hate to say it, but it's what we see right here in America. Earlier this year, reports surfaced about the Biden administration agencies getting lists and tracking Americans with religious objections to the vaccine mandate. Now, what are they going to do with these lists? Who knows? But if history offers any indication, it's not a good sign. Now, this is going back to the book, The Great Controversy. If the papacy has professed to act, uh, sorry, it, the papacy has professed to act as the vicegerent of heaven while seeking to exalt itself above God and change his law. God, on the other hand, never forces the will of the conscience or the conscience. But Satan's constant resort is to gain control of those who he cannot otherwise seduce. So if he can seduce you, He'll use that. If not, compulsion by cruelty. We're seeing compulsion by cruelty in many places today. And this is a very interesting one also. Through fear or force. Are we seeing fear being used as a motive in our world today? Absolutely. Fear, all kinds of fears. Through fear or force, he endeavors to rule the conscience and to secure homage to himself. To accomplish this, he works through both religious and secular authorities, moving them to the enforcement of human laws in defiance of the law of God. Friends, do you know the time in which we live? Do you know the time? 
It's a time when church and state are getting together like never before. Who will lead the new world order? Will it be this group of world leaders, politicians? How about this guy? He's kind of out of the picture, sort of. <laughs> Notice he's the only one with a smile in that picture. I thought that was interesting. No one else is smiling, but he is. Uh, or this guy. By the way, both of these folk in this picture are something called a Jesuit. Let him who hears understand what that means. Recently, President Biden has said that there is a new world order that's moving now and that the United States needs to lead it, that we need to lead it, he said. That's what he said. And so we can be sure that it is the papacy that will be at the lead of this new world order. Now, remember the papacy doesn't have a military arm, right? And think about Revelation 13. One beast causes the other beast to be worshiped. We know who those two powers are, right? So America and the papacy will work together to cause the last events to take place. Shouldn't be new to us. We've read Revelation 13. We know what it says and what it means. The Pope is the only one that can get all the world religious leaders together. He's the only one that's ever done this, spoken in a session of Congress, an historic event bringing faith and politics together. And so let's connect the dots as we kind of put a close on this today. One possible way to unite the world and gain control of it is to force this Sunday law, i.e. a green Sabbath that all must keep for Mother Earth and for all of us. For the CO2 gases that are rising, right? How many of you have heard of the green Sabbath movement? Okay, just a few of you. Well, you're going to hear a little more of it today because there's a movement afoot. It's called, if you Google it, dot now, please, but later. It's the Green Sabbath Project dot something. And you'll find it. And the idea is, oh, yes, everybody should take a Sabbath rest. This will help the CO2 gases. You can make it any day. That's what their website says. Do you think that's the way it's going to play out? No, it's not going to play out that way. The day will be Sunday. Don't be deceived. Know the time in which we live. Malachi Martin, Vatican insider, back in 1990 wrote this, willing or not, ready or not, we are all involved in an all-out, no-holds-barred, three-way global competition. Most of us are not the competitors. However, we are the stakes. It's for us that they're fighting. Now, his three-way, um, he was looking at the United States and Russia and Rome. That was his three, or the papacy. But we know what he didn't know from Revelation 13, that the papacy and the United States are together in this. So in his case, there would only be two, the other one being Russia. But Russia's no competitor to the power that God um, has told us about in Revelation 13. Going on, Malachi Martin, for the competition, it's about who will establish the first one world system of government that ever existed. It is about who will hold and wield the dual power of authority and control over all of us. 
as individuals and together as a community. He continues, our way of life as individuals, remember this is back in 1990, and as citizens of the nations, our families, our jobs, our trade, our commerce, our money, our educational systems, our religions and our cultures and our cultures, even the badges of our national identity, which most of us have always taken for granted, all will have been powerfully and radically altered forever. And we're right in the middle of it right now in Earth's history. Do you know the time? According to Reuters, October 4, 2021, Pope Francis and other religious leaders met together for a joint appeal. They were looking forward to the UN Climate Change Conference, which was coming a month later, and offered concrete solutions to save the planet from an unprecedented ecological crisis. Now, how many leaders were there? A lot. In fact, this names some of them, Archbishop of Canterbury, Canterbury, Orthodox Ecumenical Patriarch Bartholomew. You had Islam, many others represented. In fact, this represented 84% of the world's population. But remember, whether they're religious or not, the devil is going to try to bind them together. And in this way, Papists, Protestants, and worldlings, that pretty much covers everybody, will alike accept the form of godliness without the power. And they will see in this union a grand movement for the conversion of the world and the ushering in of the long-expected millennium. Now, what do most Protestants think when they think of millennium? They don't think of, oh yes, Jesus comes and then there's this thousand years. No, no, no. When do they think the millennium's gonna happen? Before Jesus comes, right? There's gonna be this, this Sunday law is gonna happen and that will help us to usher in this millennium of rest. There'll be this thousand years of peace on the earth. That's what they think. But again, that's a deception. Do you know the time? Do you know the time in which we live? This is what's coming. And of course, when the millennium isn't happening and when Adventists are still saying, I'm keeping the Sabbath. My, my God has told me this is between me and him. This is special between me and him. They're going to say, look, you guys are messing up the whole millennium of rest. Do you know the time? Well, here's the slide on the green Sabbath project. I think I just have one. But it says this, this is quoting from their website. Is there nothing you can do about the environment? Nothing may be the best thing you can do. The Sabbath is said to be a foretaste of the world to come. A lot of this is so true, right? If you have the right Sabbath. <laughs> Literally, if you care about our future, your well-being, observe a real Sabbath day of rest. This is great counsel, right? We could say amen to all of this. And then we could tell them about the Sabbath, the true Sabbath that helps cultivate community, self-discipline, <clears throat> inner calm and contentment. And I think the real Sabbath does all of that, right? But they're not talking about the seventh day Sabbath, unfortunately. Well, we're getting closer to closing here now. This is again from the book, The Great Controversy. The line of distinction between professed Christians. How many of you are professed Christians today? 
Okay, uh, not everybody's holding their hand up, but most of you are okay. The line of distinction between professed Christians and the ungodly is now hardly distinguishable. Ouch. All right, that's talking about us. So we just raised our hand. Church members love what the world loves and are ready to join with them. Oh, may that not be true of us. And Satan determines to unite them in one body and thus cause, and thus his cause, strengthen his cause by sweeping all into the ranks of spiritualism. Do you know the time? Do you know the time? Two great principles, civil and religious liberty. And like I said, that liberty bell is cracked. We need to pray for our nation like never before. Even here in free America, rulers and legislators, in order to secure public favor, do legislators sometimes do things to secure public favor? Oh, yes. <laughs> they will yield to the popular demand for a law enforcing Sunday observance. Liberty of conscience, which has cost so great a sacrifice, will no longer be respected. Do you know the time? In the soon coming conflict, we shall see exemplified the prophet's words. The dragon was wroth, angry with the woman, the church, and went to make war with the remnant of her seed. That remnant which keeps the commandments of God and has the testimony of Jesus Christ. Well, back to close to Matthew 24, 14. And this gospel of the kingdom will be preached in all the world as a witness to all nations. And then the end will come. God is waiting for a people, amen, for us to understand and experience the gospel and to share it with the world. And in the meantime, God is up there in the heaven of heavens. And he's probably just having a party with the angels, you know, just waiting for us. He's probably pretty happy, would you say? No, no, no. There's a big pain in God's heart as he waits for this. We should long for the second coming, not just for our sake, but for his, amen? That the pain in his great heart might finally come to an end. The last revelation will be a revelation of the character of God. Christ now sits on his throne. Christ now is in his heavenly sanctuary doing his cleansing work. And he wants to take part of that work in us. Amen? That's, it's us that needs the cleansing, the cleansing of the sanctuary. Oh, won't you let him cleanse you today? Now is the time to come, right? Now is the time to come. Do you know the time? 
Now is the time to go. The world must know. Because time is shorter. Our salvation is nearer than when we first believed. It's high time to awake out of sleep. Amen? How many of you know somebody that can just sleep? I mean, they've got alarms, they've got radios going off, and they're just... (laughs) Maybe you're one of them, or maybe it's your kids, or... Now's not the time to sleep, amen? Now's the time to be awake to what is coming upon the earth, to make that connection sure with Christ. He's calling, he's calling you today. He didn't bring you here for nothing. He didn't put this message on my heart for nothing. Do you know the time Are you making preparations through the grace of God for the time that is soon to break upon this world as an overwhelming surprise? And yet we don't need to be surprised, amen? We can know the time. We can look unto Jesus, the author and finisher of faith, Hebrews 12 tells us. Jesus is making up his kingdom Won't you join him?